Hey there. Hey, welcome back. Welcome to Amy's Endless Watchlist. This is the podcast where I try and watch one film a week from my watch lists on the many streaming channels and devices that I own and actually sit down and watch a movie instead of just constantly adding to my watch list. And so this is a place where I get to talk about the movies and what they remind me of. And also cinema moments as well. So yeah, welcome back. Welcome to episode four. My apologies that this episode is a little bit late. I did, however, continue with my mantra of watching one film a week uh, last week, which was when I was supposed to post another podcast. And so I did continue that. I'd watched a film and I did review it and I did create a podcast, uh, kind of a draft version but it kind of got away from me and so I thought, you know what, I'll just start again from fresh. So the film I watched last week was Kodachrome, which uh, is on Netflix. It's on um, it's on my Netflix watch list. I think next, this I say next, <laughs> this week I will try and watch something from my Amazon Prime watch list because um, I've been going through the Netflix a lot, but yeah, maybe I should mix it up a little. And Basically, Kodachrome was on there the moment it was released on there. I, I saw the trailer and I was like, yep, I like this kind of movie. Got some great actors in it. I like the kind of um, subject matter. So I was like, yeah, totally. So I watched this last week. And uh, it, it was one of those type of movies where <laughs> it's like a, you know, like a, it's like a heart kind of, it's humorous, don't get me wrong, but it, it's like, you know it's gonna tug at the heartstrings. It's it's that kind of movie where it's like if you want like something to cry, you know. I'm sorry by the way if you can hear cars going by. It's a bit busy outside, but yeah, like this is a film that you know kind of is very witty and uh, funny, but at the same time it does totally grab you in the chest, in the heart, and it's like uh, this film had me tearing up at the end. It was quite. It was quite nice. It's quite. It was a nice movie. I think there are certain aspects that could have been better, but we'll go into that in a second. So this film, Kodachrome, it according to IMDb was released in 2017, and yet on my Netflix, I believe it says it was released in 2018. So I don't know the conflictingness of that. What that means, I'm assuming maybe it got a cinema release in 2017 and then Netflix just re-released it. Um, I have no idea exactly how that went, uh, but I mean, it's it's an interesting film. It's basically it's a road trip film, and it's about this um, this father Ben, this old guy who is like a National Geographic famous kind of photographer. You know, has been all over the world in the most extreme places. Um, shooting, you know, all kinds of things, and it's made him quite famous. And he obviously still uses film, he still shoots on film, and he prefers that uh, format. And uh, and 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 he's a he's a bit of a jerk, and he's not he's you know he's accomplished so much. But the one thing is he's you know kind of unfortunately not done great as a father or as a husband, let's say. So. So this film is about him convincing his son, who is who they've you know not spoken to for ages. Um, his son's called Matt, and he's kind of working in the music industry uh, for like a record label, you know, to kind of sign talent. 
um, to try and make music and make money. But he has a real ear for it. He has a real, you know, love of music. And yeah, it's it, it's kind of, it's a road trip movie about a father and a son. And the father is kind of running out of time because, you know, he basically is, I think it's cancer he's got. And it's, you know, he ba- they say at the beginning of the film, he's kind of got like maybe a month or two, that kind of thing. So the film is set up in that way. And that son obviously doesn't have a great relationship with him. And he's kind of lured out there with the promise of, you know, the father's agent will kind of help, you know, the son, Matt, um, you know, try and get with, uh, meet, have a meeting with like some, um, some music band or something that he's after. And that's kind of what lures him on this trip. Otherwise, I don't think he would have gone at all. Um, and then also on the trip is uh, Zoe who is the nurse to Ben's character and she's quite you know quite quirky um, she's definitely more obviously upbeat than some of them but she does have her own kind of history which you learn um, at the end of the film uh, or near the end of the film and uh, it's nice because really in a way like I mean it, essentially I think the film is about forgiveness you know it's about the fact that you know fathers and sons and the fact that we're all kind of you know there goes another car but yeah like we're all kind of um you know flawed and not perfect and that goes for the same whether you're just talking about yourself as an individual or whether you are talking to yourself and how you know you are perceived by others or you know how you interact with others so you know all your relationships friends family all that kind of stuff and I really kind of enjoy in particular kind of um, films about parents and children because I don't know why but the subject matter I just find quite interesting I in particular I think as well because I love history and I also um, I like um, what's it called you know like you know I like family dramas, but I like them sometimes when they've got like something extra, you know, like an extra uh, dramatic kind of uh, peril. So like, you know, anything to do with the royal family, like past or present, it's like, I really enjoy that because yes, they're like, it's like, um, there's a favorite film of mine and I think it's just called, actually, I think I've got it down here. Is it down there? I think it was like, oh my gosh, where's it gone? That's really bad, guys, that I don't have that out anymore. Um, But yeah, it was basically like a film that I I discovered like on TV and it was about the last kind of couple of years of the Romanov royal, you know, the royal family of Russia um, before and then during obviously World War One. And it just for whatever reason it just kind of (laughs) by the way it's like a three hour film like it's long um but like I what I liked at it is that it had um all the relationships in it so obviously you've got the um you know the czar himself but he's constantly kind of reflecting on the way that his dad was and the fact that he'll never live up to him and the way he is with his children and then you've got the mother who's a little bit overprotective um in particular of her son, because, you know, spoiler alert, 
um, I'm sorry, but like, you know, uh, Alexei, um, the son of the Tsars, uh, had, you know, haemophilia, which is where the blood doesn't cut, I think. And so, you know, he, he, you know, it's basically like the fact that you have this family, but like the pressures on the family are so incredibly heightened and it's, it's just, it, I don't know why it just kind of, it's, it's interesting to me. Okay. What was that film called? It's going to annoy me now. Ah, Nicholas of Alexandria. That's what it was called. Yeah. So it's a three hour movie. I think it's from the seventies. It's got some, actually it's got some big actors in it actually. And, um, but yeah, it's just basically the fact that, you know, the story is about the family, this royal family, but the stakes are higher because they're royal. And obviously, you know, if you know your history, you'll know what happens to them, unfortunately. So it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Like, I just kind of, I love the fact that you can tell these very universal stories about, you know, parents and children or families in general, and you can place them practically in any genre and, you know, any culture and you can, connect with people around the world because you can you can just relate you can just be like oh that's you know I I have a relationship like that or I know somebody who has a relationship like that with their family or with their parent or whatever it may be so that's what kind of like that's just my own personal interest but obviously I understand that you know not everybody would have that um but yeah going back to Kodachrome and I'm really sorry about that digression, by the way, <laughs> that was quite long. But basically, uh, this this film, this, obviously you have to set up the father is is unwell and doesn't have long. And he's kind of, I don't know if it's if he's looking for forgiveness exactly, but I think he just wants to have some of his last days with his son, essentially. And the whole concept of the film is basically the fact that obviously this guy is an incredible photographer, but he's found some reels of film that he's just not developed. And he gets them normally developed in a certain type of format that he really likes, this Kodachrome. And this Kodachrome, I hope I'm doing this correctly, but basically instead of like prints like you would like from a disposable camera, the the photos get put onto these kind of slide things instead. and basically you can put them into a projector and you can project your photos into a much bigger format onto obviously over a screen or you know or you know a blank wall kind of thing which is so cool and the idea of like this you know this uh, photographer who has found these reels of film from decades ago and he just wants them he wants them developed that's the one thing he wants before he you know before he goes but in reality I don't think that's it's not the main focus it's just a nice kind of um story that goes along with the road trip uh, that has you know this kind of uh build up for this kind of payoff I suppose at the end and it's uh, it's really sweet actually and it's also kind of cool how they use photography in the film so, I mean, the cast in this, I mean, I must say, I just enjoyed it for the cast alone. I mean, to play the old guy is um, Ed Harris, and he's a great actor. Uh, he 
he plays off being a jerk incredibly well like like there are some moments where you just shouldn't like him and there was one or two moments where I thought mm, I'm not sure I like his character having said that though it's kind of it's what makes him very real and kind of uh, a much more complicated character in the sense of you know he's witty he's he's clever but he's also a jerk and inconsiderate to people's feelings and that's just really you know painful and he can also be a little bit chauvinistic and all these other elements to the character is there and it's good because it's a very flawed human that's portrayed and especially when it's a man coming to the end of his life and realizing that you know he may have done a few things wrong and his kind of inability I suppose to I don't know I mean I suppose there are certain scenes where he does admit to the fact that he wasn't he wasn't on his game in terms of being a father or a husband but at the same time there are many moments where the character is just too you know too stubborn to to admit his faults and just kind of brushes it off or is so horribly rude to people around him that it kind of pushes them away instead of making them kind of see his vulnerability but ed harris plays this guy and he's he plays it really well and then you have uh jason sudeikis who i've mostly seen in comedies so it was kind of refreshing to watch him in something a bit I don't want to say darker <laughs> it's, it's not dark it's just it's it was nice to see him play something a bit more I suppose grounded and not so um yeah not so just comedy driven I suppose um but he, he he's a great actor in the way that he does portray Matt the son and you can kind of really tell his confliction within the character of like you know he wants to forgive his father and at the same time he can't forgive his father and he kind of lives in the past and he's a bit too um with regards to his own life he's a bit too gutless he doesn't fight for anything he doesn't really you know take the confidence to try to grab moments um so there's there's that in the character but he's just yeah he's flawed in his own way in the fact that he just lives in the past and just won't let things go and i think all of us on some level can kind of see where he's coming from and and really relate to that that's kind of he does it really well but he also comes out with some incredibly funny lines and so witty him and ed harris just kind of back and forth sometimes it's uh it was entertaining to watch and then you have elizabeth elizabeth olsen who obviously most people will probably know from like the avengers movies and the marvel movies and i'm a fan of hers from those as well and she's really it's kind of it's she's good in this one and it's kind of good because you know it could have been played very 2d and i think by the i I think definitely in the nearer the end of the movie she's definitely still created a character that's a bit more like you suspect something of the character but then it kind of turns turns out to be you know her own problem and her own you know there goes another car her own kind of uh self um her lack of self like discipline and how it scares her and then the fact as well that you know she's she is terrified of kind of getting close to people again um 
but she's got some beautiful like yeah she she's got some beautiful moments in this film and really she's got some really nice lines like the dialogue in this film was quite quite sweet quite on point with some things um dialogue's tricky i think sometimes it can be too on the nose and when it is it can be a little bit painful to listen to but um in this movie it didn't feel too cheesy and it didn't feel too um forced i suppose from the actors their performances were really great um so yes yeah, so, i mean in this movie i kind of i love the road trip idea i mean obviously road trip movies you know what i love about them is they're kind of the idea is that really the kind of the journey in the film is all all in the characters uh in particular this movie like they're all quite flawed characters and they kind of all have to confront their faults um by the end of the film so what i love about road trip movies is that you have this kind of wonderful symmetry between kind of the physical journey that is actually happening and then you have the the internal journey and that's that's why i love road trip movies and they could be incredibly hilarious or funny but they could also be you know um very you know emotional and touching so basically going back to the film uh, the setup is that you know this photographer this older guy ben uh, wants to get his film produced in a certain format kodachrome but the lab that create like the lab that develops it in kansas is uh unfortunately it's kind of it's stopping making them so it's kind of a beautiful symmetry there as well where you had this you know old guy who's achieved an awful lot coming to the end of his life kind of worrying about his legacy and what he's going to leave behind and all that kind of stuff and at the same time you have the backdrop of the f- the photographs is his life essentially and the photo lab that he's depended on for so long is now starting to close and that's coming to an end of its life because you know you know digital's taking over and all that stuff uh, both in photography and in film and i think the film is trying to make some very interesting points in it which i kind of do like like there's a moment where ed harris's character is basically saying you know because uh, his son i think says you know why even bother like why even bother like to get something printed or something like that and it's kind of kind of a nice moment where ben the older guy just basically says like you know hundreds of thousands possibly millions of photos are being taken every single day now and just shotgunned all over the internet and shared constantly and wanting to get likes and all that kind of stuff it was social media and uh, he just kind of makes a point of but how many of them actually mean anything and i think that's quite poignant especially living in the world that we do now where everybody's kind of obsessed i suppose with their social media and like i don't know about anybody else but who's listening but like i mean i when social media came out i was at uni and it was obviously a big thing and it was obviously that you know exciting because you know you wanted to take photos and share all the time i remember you used to go out with friends and uh, this is back in the day when we used to have like these old digital cameras 
and you had to plug this thing to a laptop the next day to upload all your photos and you'd be tagged in God knows how many and you'd be, you know, with your friends and where you were and what time you were and all that kind of stuff. It's really scary, actually, how many photos used to go up. And I'm just kind of the last two years in particular, I feel like I like I still like to share on social media and I still I enjoy social media. I just don't want to. I don't know. I just don't want to share in particular with photos. I don't want to share the same way I used to. I, you know, I don't know if anybody else is out there is listening, thinking the same thing. But now, like, I'm a bit more conscious of sharing because I feel if you shotgun it all over the Internet, privacy settings aside, like it's out there for other people to see. And I just kind of think it's nice sometimes to just keep some things for yourself. Like I went on holiday, I think last year and I took loads of photos, like let's say 60 photos. Like that's not a lot considering I was probably taking more than that. There goes another car. Yeah. So the street I'm on is clearly very busy today. (laughs) But basically, oh, since going on holiday, it's like that kind of thing of, well, like okay I took 60 photos but then when I came back I was like well actually I'm only gonna pick 10 and um that's the 10 that I will share online on my social media stuff and the other 50 are mine and I can do with them what I wish so not to say that you can't do with what you wish with the 10 that I put up but I'm just saying I'm like I'm just kind of a bit more conscious now of actually like you know those memories are mine and I'm just a bit protective of them. I don't know if anybody else feels the same way. But it's kind of a wonderful thing that happens in um, in Kodachrome, this film where Ed Harris's character is making a point of the fact that so many photos are being taken now. And it's just that thing of actually, like, he says, like, when he prints them off, first of all, he says that he remembers every photo he ever took. And that's impressive in itself. But then the fact that he says, you know, when you print them off you've got this actual physical uh this actual physical moment in time and i must admit like i hadn't i hadn't printed photos for a long time a lot of stuff was on my phone or my old digital camera or something and i finally printed off some photos earlier this year and it was so nice to have them actually in print actually physically there and that's i mean still taken with digital cameras but but hey you know i just kind of think these you know what the film's trying to make a point of is sometimes the old ways are you know if it ain't broke don't fix it but having said that obviously digital and computers are now taking over and now this kind of film in particular um to do with movies you know more movies now than ever are being made um or shot on digital i should say not that that's a bad thing like i think digital has a lot to offer but there's something so wonderful and tangible and uh, just something unique about actually shooting on film it gives you some kind of wonderful uh, kind of texture on the screen that you just can't get with digital still i don't think i think digital is catching up but you know, I just like the fact that it, this is a talking point in the film. 
Uh, and actually, the film itself, Kodachrome, is actually based on an article, on a New York Times article called, For Kodachrome Fans, Road Ends at Photo Lab in Kansas. That was an article from 2010 by a guy called, uh, I think it's Salzburg. And yeah, in the article, it's like the the road trip in the movie is kind of inspired by the fact that when people found out that this real lab in Kansas City was saying to its people, you know, saying to people like, we're about to close down in the sense of, you know, we're not going to be doing this format anymore of Kodachrome. It made people from all over the world, apparently, basically rush there to, before it closed to try and get their uh, reels of film, you know, developed in this format. And that's kind of sweet and wonderful that people really care about something. And and also it's quite sad, you know, it's like the end of an era, it's something coming, coming to its end. So yeah i mean so this film took took something from what's happened recently in the past couple years but just made a a kind of beautiful kind of story about father and son and yeah i think it, it was i enjoyed a lot of things about it the one thing i think i would possibly say that could have been better is the ending like like i don't wanna like I said in the past, I don't want to give spoilers, but having said everything I've said just previously, like at the end of the day, like it's set up that the dad's not well and it's set up that, you know, he's trying to get these photos developed. So all I'm going to say is like, you know, the photos, they are so sweet and it's a really nice way to end the film. However, they are obvious in the way that it's set up and there's nothing wrong with that you know the obviousness of what they're going to be on the you know on the prints on the kodachrome kind of slides so it's just the fact that i just wish they took a bit more time with the ending it felt like the ending could have been 10 more extra minutes longer and i would have been a bit more satisfied the, the film did make me cry with the photos it was emotional but it's just like I think I would have been bawling so much more if they just took they took a bit more time with the ending because Matt's character played by you know Sudeikis it's yes you see him make a phone call to Zoe and he's apologetic but he's also trying to kind of say to her that he's he's trying to be more courageous and make things happen and to be a bit more of a fighter and stop living in the past so because the main thing is like the whole point of storytelling right is that well at least in films anyway is that most of the time your main character so matt the son should basically learn something or at least come to a conclusion by the end of the film and it's and so if it's about forgiveness the film doesn't actually ever exclusively give you a moment where you think oh yeah this character's forgiven his father it doesn't really have that moment um i mean i think you can pick and choose what you want as an audience member i suppose like for me maybe the hospital scene maybe there's a moment there where you can kind of gauge that the, uh, the character's forgiven his father like maybe but it's never specifically it's never specifically said and never specifically like just laid out for the audience and 
I understand why. I think in the way it's like the audience kind of has to make up its own mind about forgiveness and, you know, how you'd feel about being in that relationship with a parent or a mentor. And would you actually forgive them for what they did or didn't do? So, I mean, I'm both kind of, I'm torn. I'm kind of like, I understand why they left it kind of ambiguous. And at the same time, I'm kind of like, actually, I need closure. (laughs) Um, And also, I just kind of wish that we had a bit more time with the character of Matt at the end. Because you start off with this guy. And yes, he makes a phone call to Zoe and you just see him do some bits around his father's house. But you don't actually see him in a way, like, as far as I'm concerned... You know, when it comes to characters, action speaks a lot louder in terms of intent. So, like, you can't just have him on the phone. I mean, I suppose making the phone call is showing that he's being more proactive and trying not to give up on people and trying to actually make amends and move forward. However, you don't actually see that in other aspects of his life. So, like, he's kind of challenged in his job in the film and he's kind of having to pander to other people even though he thinks that he has more knowledge and he has more insight into the music in particular and the artists and yet he doesn't seem to address that at the end it's like it would have been really cool if you had like an extra five minutes like maybe he just walks into his boss's office you know says I quit walks out or something and then makes his own music label or or band or whatever it may be related to music that he wants to create I think that would have been really cool and it would have shown the characters grown out of the shell and kind of really is taking that leap of actually, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to follow my instincts rather than, you know, relying on my boss and the fact that they don't know any music and won't sign anybody I like and, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, I I just think that the character of Matt could have really been well-rounded out. I think Zoe's character could have had a little bit more screen time at the end as well like I don't know I just kind of I think it was a really good film I just wish they took that extra 10 minutes to wrap it out the end and I get it you know endings of films are sometimes the hardest thing to do in particular and you're not going to satisfy everyone and that's understandable that's you know but I just that extra 10 minutes it would have made such a difference to that film So anyway, going to ratings now. I'm going to rate this film and say it was worth renting online on streaming. I wouldn't say it was something I would have paid a cinema ticket for. You know, it's great performances, great cast. I enjoyed the story, but it's a little bit predictable. And the payoff at the end, though emotional, it's it could have been so much more could have really hit home. Um, so yeah, so that's that's my review of Kodachrome. But if you check it out and you know, let me know what you think, what you liked, what you didn't like, possibly. Um, if you see any themes or ideas in there that maybe I didn't, that'd be interesting to know. So going on to the next segment now is basically you know talking about films that this film Kodachrome reminded me of. So it reminded me of another film I watched on Netflix. I need to try watch something off Amazon soon or maybe somewhere else, like another streaming uh, or lovely watch list that I've got. But basically, um, the other film that it reminds me of is The Last Word. And that is a really funny film. And 
it's also quite emotional and the payoff at the end actually I I remember watching it thinking like oh this is such a build up to something and you just think you just hope that it's going to get to the end and actually be as good as you were expecting it to be and it really was the performances in this film last last word is is really really good the main character is played by Shirley MacLaine I mean, nothing else ne- really needs to be said. She's a brilliant actress, so... But she's it's very similar in the sense of she is, uh, you know, playing the older older character that is a bit of a jerk, doesn't really care what people think, and yet, at the same time, the whole point of the film is that she's trying to control how she's perceived after she dies. Like, she basically wants to write her obituary before she goes which is just such a trippy idea anyway and just for that it's just it's it's comedy gold really set up for you but it's brilliant it's um and it's a it's mostly from a you know female cast which well female main female cast anyway but there's so many great actors in it and i highly recommend that one and i'll tell you what shirley mclean she just pulls her punches she's incredibly rude and yet incredibly funny witty so just as a character like you shouldn't like her but you do you just fall in love with this awesome character yeah the last word so 2017 film highly recommend go watch it so moving swiftly on now to cinema moments as i'd mentioned obviously earlier kodachrome made me cry and this kind of made me think back to films that make me cry that still made me cry, but also trying to think back to cinema moments. So I like tearjerkers, you know, I don't know, you know, some people don't, that's fine, I get it, you know, some people just want entertainment from their films, that's cool, whatever, but it's, it's really, really a lot of fun, actually, I think, when you get a film that plays on your emotions to a point where it actually makes you emotional, and I think that's a mark of a good film, you know, like a good film, you should be able to relate to the characters or the story or a scene or a situation. And if it's good enough and it really hits home and, you know, the, you start bawling in the middle of a theatre, like that's a job well done. Like it's a brilliant, brilliant thing. So just a few, let me tell you about some some of the films that make me cry. First of all, Cast Away. I did not see this in the cinema, I must be clear. But Castaway, oh my god, Tom Hanks. I mean, first of all, it's a brilliant film and it's a brilliant performance from Hanks throughout that movie. But it's the bit, obviously, where Wilson um, falls off the boat, I believe, or the raft, whatever it may be. And it's kind of... Tom Hanks's character is sadly, you know, he just can't reach him and he's just bobbing off into the distance. And what's so heartbreaking about that is obviously that this volleyball <laughs> called Wilson that has like a painted smile on this ball is, um, you know, it's been his friend through the last few years on this island. And then when you see it bobbing off and you, oh my God, you just your heart breaks, your absolute heart breaks, like the grief that Tom Hanks put into that performance and that one kind of, well, I suppose it's that scene and the scene after. I mean, it's, it's gut-wrenching. If you don't cry at that scene, like what's wrong with you? Like, it's so good. So going back to cinema moments though, so that's just one example of, you know, films that made me cry. So if you guys have any like 
any recommendations of films that are good tear jerkers you know feel free to send those in because i you know i'm happy to watch something that's gonna make me ball like why not that's just sometimes you just need that you know in a film so basically though going back to cinema moments it's uh i had to think a bit harder about this actually what can i remember from crying in the cinema which sounds like a really odd thing but minority report uh from 2002 that actually made me cry and i just like and i don't like i said mentioned this to a friend a couple of days ago and they were like really because obviously like minority report i mean first of all it's a great film it's steven spielberg but it's it's sci-fi and it's tom cruise among many other brilliant actors by the way and it's a great story but and it's more of a thriller isn't it really but it's so good but the ending uh made me cry in the cinema and i remember the person next to me just kind of being like are you okay like when the lights came on afterwards and there's me just like uh uh-huh. um but the, i think the reason it made me cry is because like there's that like scene where tom cruise's character is is confronting the older character and basically you know calling him out on all that he's done wrong and it's obviously the film's been building up to this you know revealing this and it's a great scene but it's all a confrontation really that happens over the phone until kind of the very end but like it's just i don't know why it's so it emotionally got me and i think in watching it again i think i need to watch it again i haven't seen that film in years but i think it's the editing the editing and the music i tell you what you do those things right you can probably you know make anyone cry so yeah so i remember that i I remember i was a teenager when i saw that in the cinema as well which is which is really sad i think that was actually one of the first was it a 12 i don't know i don't remember the rating but yeah I think it was one of my 12, like, rated 12 movies that I saw. And I remember being quite shocked about the fact that it actually made me cry. Um, And obviously, like, I got a little bit embarrassed. But, like, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Like, sometimes you're just not expecting it. And then a scene or a film just suddenly tugs at your heartstrings and that's it. You're off. And, yeah, I think sometimes, I mean, I'm not so embarrassed now, like, if a film makes me cry. I just think that's a good thing. I'm like, that's great. That just means clearly this is, this is like, you know, caught my attention in a, in a really good way and is relatable, obviously, or it's just touched, you know, some kind of primal part of me or or whatever it may be. It's, it's good. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's, I don't know why Minority Report is on the list of ones that's made me cry. And I think I still cry at that ending to be fair i mean i do think it's the music i think it might be a john williams score as well i'll have to double check my facts won't i but (laughs) i think i mean uh, anyway john williams could probably make me cry just with his music alone so anyway i'm gonna stop rambling now and uh if you guys have any recommendations for tearjerker movies definitely let me know also let me know if you check out kodachrome um or the last word because I thoroughly recommend both. It's just the fact that obviously I thought Kodakring in particular could have just been a little bit better at the end, but hey, maybe in another in another world. So I'm going to sign off now. Thank you for listening to episode four. Uh, if you want to contact me or see what's going on with this podcast, you can check me out at Amy Endless on Twitter. 
and also you can check out the blog which is amy amy's endless watchlist.home.blog that's with no apostrophe in that and i will hopefully put out a episode summary kind of blog post along with this podcast and hopefully you know you guys can check it out um you can basically read kind of the summary of this episode and then you know comment and let me know some feedback either about the films or about films that made you cry like you know know any good tear jerkers yeah it's got it's got to happen hasn't it you need a good cry sometimes with a film anyway uh i've really enjoyed this episode thank you for listening and uh yeah let's talk more movies and films in future bye